Beards for Radio. So Rivalry Week Part 1 is down, uh, but the good news about the long Big Ten schedule is that we turn around and a week later it's time for Week 2, or Part 2 of the Rivalry between Michigan and Michigan State basketball. Um, last Sunday, Michigan State claimed victory in Ann Arbor, but since then it's been kind of uh, kind of opposite stories for both Michigan and Michigan State. Um, so, yeah, welcome back to another episode of Beards for Radio. I'm Joe. I'm Sasha. And I'm Mike. That's right. Mike yes. is back with us again. <laughs> <laughs> Since I'm a little sick, maybe I'll actually sound like I have a band's voice instead of a nasally little boy's voice. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Midwest. It's the Midwestern voice, man. Everyone is. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So yeah, let's just get right into it. Um. You know, while I was watching the Michigan Michigan State basketball game a week ago. I, you know, I really felt like even if Michigan State lost, I wouldn't have been upset because that was just, you know, as John Beeline put it, for 30 minutes it was a great game. And uh, for Michigan State fans, it was a great game for 40 minutes. Yeah, I, I can see how you said said that because, I mean, the end of the half pretty strong. But, at, you know, Michigan, like I said, they bring the three and D. But if they don't bring the three, man, it's going to be a long night for them. And I was going to say, if they were on, it was going to be a long night for Michigan State. But in the second, they're like 0 for 15 from three-pointers. Like, that's huge, you know what I'm saying? Sprinkle a few in there in a closer game. But 0 for 15, man, and if you're going to live by it, dude, you're going to die by it. It, it, it happened to be a long night for Michigan. Um, and I think – you know, watching the uh, Maryland game tonight, they shot a lot better. You know, but I think um, I think not shooting good and just relying on a three pointer, you know, really hurt them against Michigan State. And um, I think uh, playing under the screens like they did, kind of, kind of getting Michigan to shoot. You know, kind of, you know, not just you know pull it. They were kind of thinking about it because you know Izzo kind of. You know, through a little wrench in the works under under uh, screens instead of over them. Sometimes, right. you know, kind of mess the guys up, and they shot off. And um, I, th- I think that was just you know you have a week you have a week to prepare for Michigan. You know, you give Izzo a week. You know that dude's gonna load up an AK. You know, with you know silver tip bullets. So you know that's what that's what he did. And you know, being down Langford, being down Ward, I thought you know it was gonna be an easier game for them. But we know that whenever anybody checks in. Under Izzo's tutelage, you know, they come ready to play. So, you know, and that's exactly what happened last Sunday. Yeah. I I, I pretty much agree with your analysis, uh, Sasha. Um, Michigan also wasn't <clears throat> tossing the ball inside, especially Jordan Poole. There was a lot of missed opportunities when Teske would be open for a second. And Jordan Poole had a pretty bad game on both sides of the court. Um, yeah. Uh, when did Matthews <clears throat> get hurt exactly? Because I know he didn't play most of the first half. It was Let's pretty see. early in the game. Right away. Yeah. I I didn't know if he was just uh, – I know he picked up an early foul, but then I realized by halftime he had only played a few minutes. Um, right. And then in the second half, uh, especially on offense, you could tell something was off with him. <clears throat> I thought Xavier uh, played a good game, and uh, at times I think Teske played a good game. And uh, other than that, you know, Michigan State had Michigan's number. Yeah, I thought it was just an outstanding defensive game for Michigan State. Like, in the first half, you know, they were letting Simpson shoot it and I think Livers shoot it, you know, because um, Michigan, in terms of, like, what they've been in the past, they're not the three-point shooting team that they are. This year, they're not the three-point shooting team that they have been, you know. But Simpson, I think, made three, two or three first-half three-pointers, uh, which really had me nervous. So I'm glad they um, decided to start pressing. But, yeah, they really took the lane away from him 
really well. I think he only got to the basket, you know, driving a couple of times. And, um, you know, what can I say about Cassius Winston? You know, he played within himself. He let the game come to him. Uh, you know, he only attempted one three-pointer and he missed it. So it's like he wasn't forcing anything, you know. I don't know how many times – I. How many different ways I can say he played within himself? <laughs> but in the first half, when he wasn't when he wasn't scoring, he was really finding creative ways to get the ball to other people. Like his, he had two outstanding passes to Tillman in the post. You know, he found Kenny Goins for a few three pointers. And you know, you usually don't want a player playing a full forty minutes in a game like that. But John Beeline said in his press conference. Michigan State playing Winston for 40 minutes forced them to play Simpson for 40 minutes, which they didn't want to do. You know, he said if they ever took Winston out, we would have sat Xavier, but they never did, so we couldn't. Um, so, you know, that even though Cassius, you know, he probably was dead by the end of the game, you know, it, it played double because Simpson had to play all 40. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, I, I just think this Michigan State team, they're really mentally strong which I think is the biggest separation between this year's squad and last year's Michigan State squad. You know, when Michigan made that run and Brasdigas had the dunk to put them up by six, uh, Izzo did something a little uncharacteristic and called the, uh, the run-busting timeout, and it really worked. You know, the game changed from there on, and I think it showed Izzo has changed since last year, and this team, their mental getup is just a lot stronger than last year's. That's my take on Michigan State. Um, actually, after watching the Maryland game, uh, Izzo might actually want to sit Winston because uh, watching Michigan's <laughs> backup point guards, <laughs> I don't know who State's backup point guard are, but uh, they could probably match up really well with uh, Julius <laughs> and uh, and um, uh, Eli Brooks. Yeah, they're gonna have to because um. You know, before we get too much into Michigan State's game versus IU, um, you know, Michigan State turned around. They had a week to prepare for IU and, you know, kind of let it slip away. They lost by one on the road, and they just looked dead tired. I think you could tell how much they missed Ward on the rebounding game uh, yesterday against Indiana. Uh, but, yeah, we'll get to that later. We'll yeah. That later. <laughs> But yeah, yeah like, um, <clears throat> with with Michigan State, man. I mean, like I was like I was saying to you, like I I think that that Quaid McQuaid and you know Goins need to develop like a two man game because so much of it is on Winston's shoulders, man. And I feel like like you said at the end of the game, he's you know you know he's breathing heavy, and is he be able, is he be going to be able to maintain that through the tourney? You know what I'm saying? When everything's on him. So it's like, it's like, yeah, him and Xavier Tillman got a good, you know, pick and roll, you know, game going on. But I feel like McQuaid and Goins need to step it up really big, really big. Especially Henry. He, uh, when I was watching him against uh, IU, he kind of looked like lost out there. Like, he, like, he turned down you know, a lot of you know, shots. Yeah, it was, was really big time, big time. Right. And I was just thinking, like, like they're going to need more. They're going to need more in the tank besides Winston because he's not going to be able to do that like when it comes tournament time. Even even a Big Ten tournament run, you know what I'm saying? That's going to be on his shoulders and then you're going to have a tournament run. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. that kid is going to go through some, you know, because even though he doesn't shoot, everything's facilitated through him. He, he, you know, everything starts off with him. He's their playmaker, you know what I'm saying? So it's like that he has a he has a he has a load to carry, man. And this McQuaid and I think Goins need to really him that a little bit and and step up a little bit. Yeah, personally, I wouldn't mind if they just lost their first game of the Big Ten tournament because that doesn't mean as much to me. And I think they're pretty solid as a two seed right now. So you know they're definitely right. not going to jump up to a one seed, especially with another loss to Indiana. Um, yeah. That, that's an excellent point. You know, it's a very fair uh, concern. You and I were texting about it yesterday during the game. You know, I, I just don't know who's going to step up off the bench for Michigan State because, you know, Tom Izzo said Kyle Ahrens now can miss the rest of the season, and he's he's the most experienced player coming off the bench. Um, the last 11 minutes of the game yesterday, that Michigan State did not have a substitution. 
Um, so I just want to, I was, I'm just like thinking who's going to step up like Kithier or Brown or Foster lawyer, you know, taking minutes from Cassius. I think Michigan state right now is really feeling the loss of Langford and Ward, but also the loss of miles bridges and Jaron Jackson, because now the players off the bench that need to step up are all freshmen. (laughs) Joe, I got to, like, I got to look a take for you on this now, right? So, like, we're back to Cassius, you know? Because, like, like, him going 40 minutes against Michigan and beating Michigan, and I feel like turning around and being dead tired and losing the way they did to Indiana, what was more winning against Michigan or losing against a, five, a, a 500 team like Indiana? I feel like, you know – if you offered me what Michigan State was going to do this week, I would have taken it. Um, because, you know, it's difficult to win on the road anywhere in the Big Ten. So you figured it would be difficult to go 2-0 anyways. So I would rather have a quality win against a top-10 Michigan team and, a, you know, a one-point loss against an Indiana team that's really playing desperate rather than, you know, a loss in the big game and a win versus a team you should be, if that makes sense. No, no, fair enough. That totally makes sense. I just, I was just, I was just wondering where your 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 thought process was too, because like I was saying, like I think Indiana is a good team. I think they got good pieces. They just like you said, they don't, they just don't, didn't put the puzzle together. You know, they're just, they're really, you know, trying to find themselves. I think they got good, they got good length, they got good shooters, they got good players. They just, they just don't put it together. You know, so I think last night they they kind of put it together. When is uh, Lankford and uh, Nick Ward expected back? Uh, Josh Lankford is done for the season. Uh, that's official. Oh, okay. Ward, Ward, they're evaluating every week. You know, uh, from what I've heard, the possibility of him playing uh, the second game against Michigan is not out of is not out of discussion. But likely, you're looking at uh, NCAA tournament or maybe Big Ten tournament. It sounds like that's about the same for uh, Matthews. They're expecting him either in the Big Ten tournament or the uh, NCAA tournament. Right. Yeah, you know, moving on to Michigan, um, I thought obviously they responded really well. They did what they should do against Nebraska. And then, you know, winning at Maryland, I know Maryland's young, but I think that's probably Michigan's second or top three, one of their top three wins of the season behind Carolina and maybe Purdue or at Villanova. Yeah. Right, especially especially yeah, I think uh, without Vill- math. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sasha. Yeah, I think that Villanova win was really good. But with Michigan, what scares me about Michigan is that, like, on, on the flip side from State, like, they have a lot of go-to guys, right? Berzdikas can take it over if he wants to. Poole can take it over if he wants to. You know, Matthews, if he's healthy, can take it over if he wants to. But their go-to guys, when everybody is failing, man, you know, the team ball needs to come into play and think like they're like, oh, you know, you know, they just force it. And, like, Iggy does his – Iggy does his, his show and go, show and go, and, he'll, and, and then he'll drive to the lane and then he'll spin every time and he usually gets it uh he usually gets fouled or he gets it uh stolen but it's like it's like when when their go-to guys aren't on then what you know what i'm saying you know if Teske is just getting rebounds and he's not doing his thing and he's off you know you know they 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 don't come together and play team ball as much as i, I i'd like them to you know that's my biggest problem with them so when it, when it comes down to it and they just want to play like you know, one-on-one ball and hoist up threes. And if it's right, you know, but, you know, if it's not working like it did against State, you know, change the game up a little bit. Start playing a little bit of team ball. Do a little extra pass. You might have a better shot, you know. So that's my biggest concern with Michigan. That's actually a great point. I would like to see more ball movement from them too. The problem is, is when they do the ball movement, unlike in past years, they don't have – guys that are pure shooters. They have a lot of guys that can make threes, but they don't have a Duncan Robinson or a Nick Stauskas. Like, you have guys that shoot, like, 34% rather than, like, 40%. So, even when they go to that, sometimes you just see them breaking. And when they are struggling uh, 
from three, it's really frustrating. Um, you expect it a little bit on the road, but when they're at home and struggling from three, it really hurts them. Um, thankfully this year, though, they have really good D, and that's what kept them in the game early against Maryland when they were really struggling. Yeah. Yeah, you know, early on, Maryland was shooting, I think, like, Maryland was making a lot of their shots, and Michigan was shooting, like, 30 or 34 percent. But it was it was like a two-point game for the whole half, and then, you know, Michigan, uh, you know, had a little run at the end of the first half, and it was like they didn't play very well, but they were up by four at the end of the half. So you had to feel great about, about that. And then, yeah, they just really um, – aside from a stretch where Xavier Simpson was on the bench with three fouls, I felt like – the second half was really controlled by Michigan. I really actually thought that besides shooting, Michigan played well. Um, yeah, that's I, what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, uh, they weren't shooting well, and some of their shot selection was suspect, but, like, they were doing everything else well with the defense. And uh, what kept them in the game, too, was they were making their free throws, and they shot a lot more free throws. I don't even know if Maryland shot them. I think they either shot two or zero free throws in the first half. Right, uh, I think they were 0 for 1. Yeah, and uh, unlike in the Michigan State game, uh, I thought Iggy did a good job of driving to the hoop, and uh, he drew uh, nine fouls though, in, uh, today, and he also uh, had zero on him. He uh, scored 21 points on 12 shots. And uh, I, I actually just was – besides, you know, the shooting, which was really, really frustrating, it's a big part of the game. You know, in the first half, I thought they rebounded really well. They actually had a lot more offensive rebounds than Maryland. Maryland, I think, uh, got the edge in the second half. But, uh, you know, unlike in past years, Michigan can, like, have off-night shooting and still win games. Right. And if they're off, it's like they, they need to come together too. And if, like you said, Xavier's on the bench – you know, he's in foul trouble or his game's off, man. It's just like they're really off, and it's like that's that's really concerning to me. He's by far the best passer on the team. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. And in past years, I felt like they had really good passers other than the point guard. Um, I thought Tim Hardaway was a great passer, Nick Stauskas, Wagner. This year, it's really – if you want ball movement, you kind of have to keep it in uh, Xavier's hands. Exactly, because you know if you just if if you give it to, you know, Poole or Brzezikas, they're looking to drive. They're looking, uh, you know, they're looking to score. You know, and I think if if you take Xavier off the off the court, who's going to be there to facilitate? So it's like, you know, it was a double edged sword, really. Yeah, the, the Julius had a good game uh, against um, Nebraska, but he struggled. Uh, Beeline get, yanked him pretty quickly today against Maryland. Um, uh, Castleton, the backup center, I actually thought he did a pretty good job this week in the two games against Nebraska and Maryland. Yeah, I was surprised. Um, he, he, had a, he had a few good plays today. Yep. Yeah, I was surprised how well he held up against – you know, the likes of uh, Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith. Yeah, because those are big dudes. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, earlier in the week when they played Nebraska, it was like, okay, it's nice seeing these young bench players, you know, play well. But, you know, it seems like Nebraska's given up. So, it was like, how are they going to do against Maryland? And uh, uh, did, uh, did Julius did not do well, but uh, Castleton stepped up and – uh, I didn't even see Brandon Johns out there, so maybe Castleton's passed him on the roster. Yeah, it kind of looks that way. Brandon Johns is also more of a four, so I don't know if uh, matchup-wise you'd really want him against Fernando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, if Michigan State takes care of business on Tuesday against Nebraska, you know, uh, as we alluded to, we got the rematch on Saturday. If, you know, there are scenarios where these two teams could be playing for a championship. Do you think that's going to happen, Joe? Yeah. Um, you know, it really – they need Purdue to lose, and I think a lot of Matt Painter's teams have lost uh, games they shouldn't have. So, 
You know, I wouldn't bet against it. I, I would say, yeah, I expect both teams to be, you know, winner gets, winner gets a share of the Big Ten championship, loser does not. I could see Maryland – or I could – excuse me. I could see Purdue losing to Minnesota on the road. That really would not surprise me. That's what what we're hoping for, man. (laughs) When when is that game? Minnesota-Purdue game. Let me see. Purdue plays at Minnesota on Tuesday night and then at Northwestern on Saturday afternoon. Also, by the time Michigan, because Michigan and Michigan State tip off at uh, 8 on Saturday, so we'll know by game time, by tip-off, if it's going to be for the championship, for a share of the championship. Yep. That's going to be interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. And there was a possibility if if Michigan State didn't lose to Indiana that it would have been Izzo's uh, 600th possibly, but, you know. Uh, they did lose to Indiana, so he's still at 597 wins at Michigan State. A measly 597. <laughs> measly, just a little bit. <laughs> Took him long enough, you know. Jeez. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like, do you think do you think Nebraska's game, would they play Wednesday or something like that, State and Nebraska, when they play next? Tuesday. Or Rutgers, Rutgers. Do they play Rutgers? They play Nebraska on Tuesday. Nebraska on Tuesday, and then you play. Do you think that's going to kind of throw a little, uh, you know, a wrench in Saturday? You know, they don't have a rest. Michigan has more of a rest, you know, than, you know, State's got to come in and play a game. Do you think Izzo well, will kind of go to go to his, you know, bench, kind of give Winston a little more of a rest like we've seen him? See, I forget what game that was where he like sat him the whole half, and he came in in the fourth, or he came in the fourth, came yeah. at the end of, end of the state. in Minnesota. Yeah, he gave him good rest because you know he he really worked his ass off the, the you know the game before. So I really probably I probably see Izzo doing the same thing uh, for for Winston on Tuesday. Do you think that? Yeah, I mean, if if they jump on Nebraska like Michigan did, uh, I I would count on it. Yeah, isn't uh, Nebraska? either in last place now or tied for second to last place or something in the Big Ten. I know that I'm pretty sure Penn State's passed them. Yeah, let me see the standings. And I think Rutgers um, is passed them. Like, Nebraska, I think Nebraska and Penn State are both 5-13. and 13. Yeah, and Nebraska got their wins early and have fallen off a cliff. And Penn State's yeah. kind of surged. Penn, didn't Penn State beat Maryland? I know they beat Michigan. They blew out Maryland, yeah. Yeah, they're actually like a dangerous team. Like, I feel yeah, like a little less bad about bubbles. that loss now. Right. You and me were talking about it earlier today. Um, you know, if Rutgers and Penn State had been playing like this all season, they'd at least be a bubble team right now. Bubble yes. Team. Yeah. And when Michigan State won at Nebraska in uh, like mid-January, you know, that was like – at the time, I thought that was one of Michigan State's top three or four victories because it was uh, – I know Nebraska has lost uh, Isaac Copeland since then, but still, like, Nebraska had, like, I think three or four losses on the whole season at that point. I think they're also one of the most experienced teams in the Big Ten. Like, they have a lot of juniors and seniors on that team. Yeah. So it's- I'd rather play uh- – Nebraska or Ohio State at the moment than uh, Penn State or uh, or uh, Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament. Hmm? I'd say I'd rather play Nebraska or Ohio State than uh, – or I'd rather play uh, Penn State or uh, Rutgers than Ohio State or Nebraska right now. You think so? Yeah, I think that Nebraska team's given up. I think uh, – I think uh, Michigan State will be able to have their bench in pretty early. That's what I'm hoping for. You know, yeah, they look like a team that, yeah, like you said, has definitely given up. Like, they they came in with big expectations, and it looked like they were going to reach them. But, yeah, since since they lost to Michigan State, they've won two games. And that was was back in mid-January. So... (laughs) I think that coach is gone too. 
Yeah, it's a shame because I, I really like Tim Miles. Um, but yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I think he made the tournament his first season, and then since then, they've come close a couple times. And this was supposed to be the year they got back. But so you think uh, you think State's gonna blow them out on Tuesday? Yeah, you know, I think so. I think so. I I think you know the up down theory. Like they're coming off a loss where they they were up by ten or eleven in the second half and really let it slip away. Um, I don't know if they hate Indiana as much as I do, but I know Indiana is kind of like a, a rival for Michigan State, so they'll probably feel terrible about that, especially having lost to the same team twice. So I feel like they'll come out against Nebraska. Feel like they have something to prove, and hopefully. You know, they'll do what Michigan did and jump on them early and then, you know, kind of breeze by. <laughs> I don't get State losing to Indiana twice. Like, Indiana's been pretty bad the last two months. Yeah. No, I don't get it either. I wish I had an answer. You know, in the, in the first <laughs> matchup, Michigan State shot eight for 22 from the free throw line. And I think that's the only – time this season where they've shot under 75% from the free throw line in a game and you know that went that ended up going to overtime and then yeah I feel like Tillman Tillman's a great defensive player he's a good effort guy down low but he's not used to playing that kind of minutes it's usually Ward getting those minutes you know Tillman usually comes off the bench so you know Ward, he's he's more of the scoring presence. He's a better rebounder than Tillman, I think. And I think that's what was missing most in the second game. But then again, Nick Ward played in the first game, and they still lost that one. So, Yeah, agreed. So I guess we fast forward to Saturday. What's your prediction, Joe? My prediction for Saturday? Yes. Uh, it's senior night. I, I got state winning. I don't. I don't have a score. Yeah, I, I don't think, have a score, but I, I got state winning. I hope this is what I hope as a Michigan fan is that Nebraska gives them one hell of a game, <laughs> like one of those, like one of those. This is we're playing for pride games, you know, and and it, and it, and it slows them down a little bit. But yeah, coupling that with senior night. It's not looking good for uh, for Michigan. If Michigan can come, like I said last podcast, if they can come, play the three and D the Michigan way, like they can, it's going to be a long night for State. But yeah. if they don't, it's going to be a long night for them, and it's going to be like a, a sequel to what happened last game. Because if they can't hit, man, you know they don't play team ball very well. So that's my, like I said, my biggest concern. If, if they come in, they've come and play that three and D like they can play. I see them winning, but it all depends on the three. So like, I'm like sitting on the fence, biting my nails. I don't know which way to go, to be honest with you. Side note, you know, if Ward can even like come off the bench and play four or five minutes in that game, I think it makes a huge difference. But you know, that's, that's definitely not a guarantee. I kind of feel the same way about Matthews. I uh, and I don't think he's going to play. I think they're going to keep him rested until postseason, even if he can play. <clears throat> I actually uh, didn't expect Michigan to win today. I don't like them as much without Matthews. I really don't like them as much losing any starter because I don't like their depth and when they're and it's hard to win on the road. So I have Michigan State winning too. That's fair. And you know what? If Purdue doesn't lose again. Uh, you know, these teams could be the two and the three seed in the Big Ten tournament and play a week from Saturday. So we could even if, uh, pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, even if the they're not the two and three seed, they could easily see each other in the championship right, game because they're both guaranteed to have uh, double buys. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of in the I'm kind of in the same boat that I was in last year in terms of the Big Ten tournament. Like, I don't want to care about the Big Ten tournament, but if if Michigan State plays Michigan, then obviously I have to care because I want to. <laughs> I want them to beat them. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, you know, we seem to be all be on the same page for this one. Um, you know, like we said, tough, tough to win on the road, and it's going to be Michigan State senior night. I know Kenny Goins and Matt McQuaid. Unless something happens to them, you know, it'll be their last games uh, at 
at the Breslin Center. So, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I would uh, definitely be uh, excited to see Michigan uh, drive to the lane a bit more against State this time around. I think Iggy's yeah. had really good games, get State into foul trouble. Um, I really loved uh, Xavier's hook shot today. I like that they had the hook shot counter <laughs> instead of <laughs> the dunk funny. counter. Yeah. Beeline, Beeline called him Captain Hook uh, after the game, you know. So, I really don't like, depending on the three-pointer on the road, even when uh, you have a better shooting teams of the past. So I'd like to see Michigan uh, do some of the other things they do well. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't super impressed with Teske on offense in the first matchup. So if he could score some more points – and rebound as well as he did in the first half against State the first game. I think that would make a big difference too, especially if Ward's not played. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I want to see Michigan State improve from the game against Michigan. Uh, I want to see better because I thought, especially early on, Teske was cleaning up the offensive glass. I think oh, – one thing I didn't bring up was um, turnovers against Michigan. Michigan State only had six turnovers which was their lowest since uh, the Sweet 16 in 2015. Um, but, yeah, I definitely want to see uh, better rebounding. Um, looks like they did end up out-rebounding Michigan by two at the end of the game, but I felt like in the first half a lot of the rebounds were going Michigan's way. So you got to clean up on the glass. So, yeah, you know uh, – this Michigan team's also been good about uh, revenging losses uh, going back to last year. That's true. Uh, uh, in the Big Ten tournament, they beat a couple teams that I think they had beaten them earlier in the year. I think Purdue. Um, I think they uh, – who I can't remember who all they beat. I think they may have beaten Wisconsin, who they, I think, maybe split with earlier in the year. But, yeah, and then uh, this year, too, you know, revenging against Villanova. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would not be surprised if uh, Michigan had a little extra something just to match it. State's intensity that they'll be carrying yeah. because it's uh, sen- senior night. Definitely. Right. Especially especially since they don't play until Saturday night. So, yeah, that, that has me nervous quite a bit. Yeah, I think last game, uh, State had one uh, extra day to prepare, and this time Michigan will have two extra days. Right, yeah, it was like Michigan State had played on Wednesday, and then Michigan played on Thursday, and then they met on Sunday. Yep. And Beeline's really – that's why uh, Beeline usually does so well in tournaments is because you give him uh, time to prepare – even on the short turnarounds, I think he uh, matches up well with most coaches. Yeah. Yeah, before we move on, I just want to say something about um, – I uh, just saw some breaking news before I came out here. Um, Ex-Michigan basketball player Kendrick Price was shot and killed in Boston. So, rest in peace to him, prayers to his family. You know, it's, it's kind of tough. We love our Michigan Wolverines. We love our Michigan State Spartans. So, um, yeah, it's kind of kind of a – crappy thing I kind of caught when I was walking out here, so I figured I might say it and send some prayers out to him. Yeah, I saw that too. That, that's terrible. R.I.P. Yeah, I've, yeah, I saw that. He was doing well, too. He was an assistant coach at UMass and oh, it stinks. Wow. Yeah, definitely stinks. So, rest in peace, Kendrick Price. Prayers to his family. But yeah, Glass, man. Um, Let's move on to Glass, dude. Like, um, it you know it brings the three you know protagonists together you know and I think uh Glass played or well Taylor Jackson played his spot played his role perfectly spot on so I I like that I like like James McAvoy's role um do I wish it could have kept on going I like the fact that it was an origin story. I was waiting for the twist. I was waiting for characters from his other, you know, uh, movies to come in. But it just, you know, he kills off the three guys. And then you're thinking like, you know, okay, cool, fine. Awesome. Now now the the world sees these metahumans. These worlds and then people that 
you know, kind of feel the same way or kind of scared to come out, I could be like, okay, cool. I have these powers. I'm going to embrace them. You know, and you're like, oh, cool. Is this the start of M. Night Shyamalan's comic book superhero universe? And I'm thinking, like, if that's the route he's going, I have no problem with the way it ended, you know. But I've been reading that he might not be going on with it. So then I'm kind of like, Ugh, I needed a better ending then. If, if it's not going to go on, I, I really needed a better end. But what did you guys take on it? I can see a TV spinoff coming soon. <laughs> Only Netflix? Yeah. I'm not excited to see where it goes, though. That's my problem with the film. I didn't like the third act really? at all. Yeah, I, I didn't like that they killed all my favorite characters. Like, I just don't care. Yeah, you I, know, that's, so, that's so, really... You know, it was like even though so you, even though we've seen Elijah, you know, pull all those things and kill all those people in different ways, you know, when the beast killed him, I still felt terrible, you know, I felt bad like like you were losing a protagonist, like, you know, a good guy, you know. Plus they- right. And I guess a I guess a twist in the movie too was that his dad got killed by glass. So, right. like, glass created these two guys. And but I still I still would want to know what the Shamrock Group's about. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't intrigue you a little bit to know what these, like, the four-leaf clover dudes were? It does. I know, but, 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 like, I don't know. You killed three big-time characters. You know, it's they only had to kill one, maybe two. And, like, right. yeah, it's like... They're kind of interesting, but they would be on the back burner for me. And they killed like the three characters I was most interested in. It's like if Han, Leia, and Luke died in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, like you wait, wait, one wait. Of them. Now, now we're going. Now we're going into blasphemy here. You know what I'm saying? It's enough <laughs> that they already killed Han. Like comparable, but you know, on on the relative scale. <laughs> On the relative scale, you no, know, I get like you. the three main characters. Uh, yeah, I thought Mac of right, was, right. it was great again, you know. Um, I thought it was a great acting sequence when he kept running towards the light and it changes his personality, you know. So he's like switching on a dime. You know, I, that was just a great display of, uh, of acting from James McAvoy. It didn't really help uh, that Mike and I saw it with uh, two people who hadn't seen Split. <laughs> so like yeah <laughs> I couldn't yeah, believe that, that neither of them had seen split yeah <laughs> I'm just like like I was just really intrigued with like when I left I'm like okay cool I was like I was like you know I got no problem with main characters getting killed off sometimes I think it's it's needed sometimes I think like killing off like killing off Rick was needed in The Walking Dead, you know what I'm saying? Right. But but they're moving on with it, you know what I'm saying, and introducing new characters. So it's like he kills all these characters and then he doesn't move on with it. You know, that's what kills me. When I read that he has no like ambition to go and push any of this further and like explore any more of it. And that's what kind of bugs me because I, I personally, I personally would like to see it. I personally like to see the, this four-leaf clover group go after these new metahumans and these, you know, these new heroes get, you know, introduced in the, from M. Night Shyamalan's world. But the one part that, that, like, really got me sitting up was at the end of the movie when um when uh, when the four-leaf clover guys come in or Shamrock, I don't know what to call them. They don't even have a name, really. And that, and that like, big pothole fills up with water. At first, I didn't think it was a pothole. I thought it was just a hole. And I thought that the lady in the water was going to save Bruce Willis, you know, but <laughs> I was wrong. That would have been yeah. That was wrong. They just, they, just drowned, they just drowned him in that pothole. What a, that was kind of uh, – I didn't really like uh, the fact that that's the way he died. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. just in a puddle? Like, I don't know. Seemed a little anticlimactic. Yeah. I would have been better if they if he would have drowned in that uh, big water tank they put him in or something. You know, something a little bit more dramatic. Hold on, my dog. Yeah, and I like I like the fact that they uh they had they had um the same actor that played his son come back after all those years. You know, because they played. Uh, I think they did a really good job of editing. You know, uh, 
sequences from Unbreakable in there. You know what I'm saying? Especially the um, oh, yeah. You know the train sequence when it, when it shows his dad get on and it comes down the aisle and it goes across the seats and it goes back to Bruce Willis from Unbreakable. You know, or like or like the memories he has with his son. You know what I'm saying? And it flips from his son's face from when he's like six years old to like a twenty-something-year-old man now. I just thought that was really cool, the the way they edited it and put it together. But I wish you could have had such a better ending. If they were gonna quit it, just put a, make a better ending. I just yeah, I've, we've seen better from M Night. You know, I did think it was cool how um, Elijah, you know, kind of outsmarted everybody again and streamed all of the. Uh, all the video footage of the fight from the parking lot. Like, you know, it was the classic misdirection. Like he made it seem like they were going to go to the, uh, the new world trade center in Philly or whatever it is. And he was going to blow it up and have them fight there. When in reality, they didn't even need to leave the parking lot. So like the, the Cloverman or whatever they are thought they contained them, but you know, they ended up playing right into their hands. Right. So here's a question. If you if you guys could have had one of the three main characters survive and potentially, you know, make another movie, who would you have picked? Huh. Glass. Oh wow, jeez. <laughs> you both would have picked Glass. I would I think I would too. Um I Yeah, because you know, he created these guys. You know what I'm saying? He's a, you know, he, in all in all actuality, he is the mastermind. So it's like he, he, he's not going to be able to do anything physical. So he's going to need people around him to do the physical, right? So he, I feel like he could bring those people out. You know what I'm saying? Like Bruce Willis and the Beast, they were, they were vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? Like here, here's this guy Glass who's made it his whole life. You know you know porcelain doll fragile he's made it his whole life outsmarted everybody you know what i'm saying so like i would like to see him go on and you know maybe gather some brawn around his brain i feel like you can't really go wrong with any of the three i pick glass because i feel like you could go more places with him he's like the lex Luthor of the this universe like he's the mastermind and right. i think like story direction great, line. great correlation yeah and then, but but I, I I also like McAvoy. I love seeing him play the Beast character. I, really, all the <laughs> all the personalities to that character, and uh, and then Bruce Willis. You know, he's more like the Superman or the Batman. And uh, I really like. I thought he did a good job too. I thought the three main actors all did a good job in their roles. Right. See, I think it would have been like logical to go with um, Bruce Willis surviving because he's kind of like the hero figure. But then it also makes sense to have Glasgow because he can, he can make heroes out of tragedies as he goes along. So it's yeah. in some ways I would have liked right. to see all three of them live because I kind of felt like Shyamala had like opportunity to like start a franchise that feels so different than anything that Marvel or DC is doing. Right, something and original. Thank you. Exactly, and I was telling Joe this about um. And, and and I tried to watch it. It's just to me, it's like it, it's like X. It's like Hot Topic X Men. That's what it is to me. The on on Netflix, it's the Umbrella Company. It's the a lead singer of My Chemical Romance started writing these comic books, you know, back in the day, and you know they took off, you know, and then Netflix adapted it to you know a live action show. It's not really my thing, but that's how I felt that M Night could have taken it, and I think it would have. I think it would have been such a good universe for him to do it on, you know? Yeah. And then I, I didn't really have a problem with the first two acts. I actually liked it. And then, like, this film just – maybe that – maybe, like, that's the other problem. Like, I understand killing a character for dr- dramatic effect, but I almost wanted to see more of all the characters. All right. And, and I, think, I think Bruce Willis and Beast dying is kind of like martyrdom. You know what I'm saying? Because whatever side you're on, the villainous side or the hero side, you might look at them like they're the martyr. They died to let us know that we we exist, that we can come out, that, that, that there's people like us out there. You know what I'm saying? So I, I felt like he could have gone so many ways with it, so many ways with it. I hope he has a change of heart, you know, and 
and if not give us a movie like Joe said, like a TV ad- adaptation on a Netflix or a Hulu or something. Right. You know? Could be the, the agents of Shyamalan. <laughs> right. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> He's had such a weird career. M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. He always gets the internet to love him and then hate him and then love him and then hate him. He's like the guy from Eddie of Directors. He's the one of Directors. The guy Fietti. I feel like half the internet for some reason hates him and then like they come to love him but then they hate him again. I don't know. I love him. (laughs) I love Guy Fietti. But yeah, it's like this is drivers. That is a twist. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, a little surprised at how many people like this movie. Uh, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, audience-wise, seventy-four percent liked it. So you know, three out of every four people you talk to or who saw it liked it. Yeah, you know, it's not like it was a bad movie, and it, it did leave things open-ended, you know. Like, there are a lot of different ways it could go with all the people seeing the footage of uh, the parking lot fight between the Beast and um, the Tiptoe Man, or whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, he could have gone so many ways, and I feel like maybe he just didn't want to continue directing it, or maybe he just thought that was the best possible way to end it, but... Yeah, I feel like overall it was a very good movie and it did leave things open-ended and, you know, kind of inspiring on a certain note. But also, yeah, it was kind of out of the blue to just kill off the three main characters, really the only three characters that people wanted to see in the film. Right. right. You know, and I I, I think the, the, the whole fight, you know, and like – you know, what's her face? I think it was in her name, Sarah Paulson. Is that the name of the actress? At the at the very end, yeah. she's like, Okay, now it's out there. Now 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 the shit just hit the fan. It's like now it's getting started. It's just beginning. And it's like you're just beginning and you're taking it away from us. Thank you very much. Right, exactly. Did you think the fight scenes left a little to be de- desired? The first one for sure. Yeah. Yes, I think it was just there to show that these guys are doing incredible things. Like, he just threw him into the van, and the van scooted back 10 feet. You know what I'm saying? These guys are fighting in a in a water tub, and this guy just punched through the water tub. You know what I'm saying? I think it's just like – or him, like, galloping across the lawn. I think that was just – That was sweet. More Right, more just showing that these guys aren't human. They're more than human, you know what I'm saying. So I don't think you needed like the fight. Like we would probably like to see the fight, but <laughs> I think I think they 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 got their point across without having to go into this big crazy fight. You know what I'm saying? He's punching, he's punching, and he's missing. The girls are inside. They're seeing like the fists coming in, denting up the van, you know. And I think that was enough to show that they were, you know, little little more than human. Yeah, that makes sense. I said, uh. You know, they didn't go out and out, you know, start busting up buildings like the Avengers do. But I would have liked to have seen a little bit more action at the same time, especially in the first fight where it was just like a shoving match, basically. Right. But, yeah, overall, I was a little disappointed. It wasn't a bad movie, but. When the end of a movie kind of leaves you like a little disappointed versus, you know, uh, right. yeah, it really for your overall, your overall right. taste on it. And a little upset. Like, you know, it was a little upsetting to have those three characters killed. And, you know, they kind of left, they, part of it kind of seemed like one of them would survive. Like, you know, um, the girl was trying to convince, um, Kevin to take the light, you know, when he finally did, or, you know, you thought for sure uh, uh, the overseer, Bruce Willis's character would kind of like, you know, break out of the hold of the two people that were, you know, swirling him, but you know, they, neither of them did. So that was a little upsetting too. It was kind of like a misdirection. Yeah. I didn't like the, I didn't like his name to overseer. I like the green guard 
the Green Guardian. Because Overseer to me is like that's what they called the dude who policed the uh, the slaves back when uh, you know we had slaves, the overseers. So it's just like you know, I didn't like that too much. So like I, I, I dug the Green Guard one. The tippy toe man was stupid. Was like, so, this is like, this sounds like a story you tell your kids to go to bed because they're scared or something like that. But no, I like the Green Guardian. I think that was a pretty good one because he wore the green poncho or you know the raincoat. Yeah. Anything else we want to cover on this one? Not really. I think um, we just need to get back together after uh, Michigan was out a crazy win in Lansing and talk to him about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, next Sunday Hopefully. might be a good day for a show if it works for you guys. Definitely. Absolutely. Sundays are good for me. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But um, until then, man, um, I'm going to be biting my nails watching that game Saturday because I'm not 100%. I'm not 100% certain that Michigan's going to, you know, win. But if they do, hey, you know, cool. I would say Michigan State, like, has yeah. – I would, I would give two to one odds towards Michigan State. That's fair. Right. That's the, fair. The two teams are, are so – even it feels like they have been all year long, so I see no reason for that to change on the last day of the year either. It could be a one point game, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, so yeah, covered everything from Michigan and Michigan State to glass, and we'll be coming back at you real soon. Uh, so from Beers for Radio, I'm Joe, I'm Sasha, I'm Mike. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys later. See you guys. If you like this episode of the Beards for Radio podcast, please give a visit to far-ebar.com. If you want to support local businesses, small businesses, uh, this is as small as it comes because it's just one guy. Again, that's far-ebar to check out some sweaters, hoodies, tie-dye t-shirts, regular t-shirts, bags, hats, Any kind of fashion product, accessory you can imagine, he's done it, and he's 100% original. Again, that's far-ebar.com.